0: Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Friday, December 29th, 2023. We've had a long week for NFL news. A lot of injuries last week, a whole lot going on. Obviously, Christmas happening earlier this week, but New Year's right around the corner. We've got a ton of games. New Year's, we've got a ton of college football, a ton of NFL. We have a lot of pending free agency things going on in the MLB. A lot of rumors, a lot of moves kind of developing but the biggest thing you can see is that it's just me today I'm running it solo Luke is sick Colin has to work I would have asked Nathan to fill in he also has to work so it's time for the third ever solo run for me and obviously we have a lot to talk about but before that make sure you like subscribe comment all that stuff on YouTube And then uh, go over to the podcast platforms, rate five stars, leave a review, and follow us on all of our social media accounts. It's not on the screen right now, but you can find them on the link tree. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get into NFL Week 17. It's going to be a great one. Oddly enough, no Monday night game this week, but we've got one Saturday and everybody else plays on Sunday. So let's start off with our Saturday game. Lions Cowboys. This one's going to be a fantastic game. I got a feeling. The Cowboys are so good at home. 7 and 0 at home this season. They're coming off of a very tough road trip with losses to the Bills and the Dolphins on the road or on the road. This one could go really either way. The Lions are so good, like so so good. But they've definitely shown weakness in plenty of places. The pass defense is not great. They give up quite a few passing yards. But to me, I just, I don't know. There's something about this Lions offense that kind of does work similarly to the Cowboys offense. where like, they have some receivers. They have, you know, a tight end that can just really do some damage. And they've got two pretty good running backs, which Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, especially this season, beat out Tony Pollard and Rico Dowdle. Undoubtedly do. But they still look good. You know, Rick Dowdle and Tony Pollard, maybe not as good, but Jameer Gibbs and Dave Montgomery are on another level right now. This partnership is fantastic. And then when you add in the weapons like Ross, St. Brown and Sam Laporta into this offense, it changes everything and always gives them a chance to win in one of these games. So, I, man, it's so hard to tell who's going to win this game. Cowboys favored by five and a half obviously being at home gives them a huge advantage. I love the Lions. They're fighting for the number 1 seed in the NFC. It's going to be a great game regardless. But man, I I really like the Lions here. I just I don't know if I can go against the Cowboys at home. It's tough. Um, you know, injury-wise, obviously C.J. Gardner-Johnson still in the IR, uh, all that, but you have a couple of guys uh, that could be um, a little banged up in this game. I think Rigo Dowdle is questionable. Tyron Smith is questionable. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. For now, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Lions in the upset, twenty eight to twenty four, Lions. Not my most confident pick, but let's get into Sunday's games. You've got Patriots-Bills to start it off. Bills have been rolling in the second half of the season. They have gone absolutely ballistic in this second half. Only loss since that loss to the Broncos is to the Eagles by three points. I believe that one was an overtime game. But they've got wins over the Jets, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, the Chargers. Some of those not the most impressive wins, but... Still dominant. Josh Allen looks amazing after kind of a struggle to start the season. They're now sitting at 9-6. and six. They do have a chance to win their division, the AFC East. They're only back by, what, uh, two games, I guess. So they would have to sweep the last two. The Dolphins would have to lose the last two. But the Bills still fighting for some seeding, and it could play a huge factor uh in how the Bills come out and play. Obviously the Patriots coming off of a huge victory over the Denver Broncos last week, but the Bills just have way too much momentum. The Patriots probably shouldn't win this game. Uh considering draft picks with the Giants at 5 and 10 right ahead of them and then, you know, the Commanders are at 4 and 11, so you don't want to jump the Commanders uh, all of the Other stuff. The Titans five and ten. You don't want to contend with them. Same with the Chargers are five and ten. It'd be safer for the Patriots to just go ahead and lose this game. (laughs) I I hate to encourage a team to lose. They should lose. The Bills should win. That's what they need to go out there and do. If you can get to eleven wins this season for the Bills, you know, firing your OC, you know, midway through the year, this is a good look for them. And uh, yeah, I think the Bills take it. I'm going go to go 24-7. to Yeah, Bills 24-7 over the Patriots. And then our next game, Falcons-Bears. My Falcons need a victory here. We're at 7-8 and eight right now. We still definitely have a chance to make the playoffs by winning this division. The Buccaneers, tough. They're 8-7. and seven. I think we've split the season series with them. It's going to be difficult, but Tampa Bay could also lose this week and next week. You know, they play the Saints this week. I believe they play the Panthers week 18. Um, I'd have to fact check myself on that. But no matter what, these teams have a chance. The Falcons have a chance. The Bears aren't mathematically eliminated, so I guess they do have a chance. Um some wild things would have to happen for them to make the playoffs. So we'll just leave it at that. I don't. I don't think we need to worry too much talking about the the Bears trying to make the playoffs. But they have a chance. They're still alive. Don't know if they're really fighting for it, but they are alive. And um, yeah, I think this game actually could be pretty good. Um, you know, Heineke's going to stay as the starting quarterback. And, ooh, um. Yeah, I I think if we can effectively use Bijan again, obviously Arthur Smith is genuinely coaching for his job. I think his job is gone, considering we're two and five on the road this year. Uh doesn't look all that good. They gotta figure some things out. This offense obviously has so much that could happen. Kyle Pitts is amazing, Drake London is amazing, Bijan, great, Tyler Algier, great. Like these guys are difference makers. They just don't have a difference maker quarterback. But Heineke, I think, gives us the best chance to win, and uh, coming off of his first win with the Falcons last week, I think that gives us a very, very good chance to come out, bring that momentum along with us, and uh, continue trying to win this division. But for the Bears, Justin Fields showed some fantastic stuff in these last couple of weeks. I've really liked what he's been doing. The win over the Cardinals last week was nothing short of fantastic for him. Like, passing wasn't Perfect. 15 for 27, 170, one touchdown, one interception, but nine carries, 97 yards, and a touchdown. And then you also had Khalil Herbert with a monster game last week. Uh, 20 carries, 112, and a touchdown it was amazing to watch. And if if they want to try and get away with something like that against the Falcons, it's going to be difficult. This Falcons defense is fantastic. Your passes over in the middle aren't going to happen because you got Jesse Bates running around. You got to watch out for Nate Lambden and Caden Ellis coming at you from the linebacker position. And then, of course, the defensive line for the Falcons has been great. Calais Campbell, a career revitalization for Calais Campbell on that defensive line. And obviously, the other guys all around him doing great stuff. So, I don't know. We'll have to see. Obviously, I'm confident in my Falcons to win this game. Um, but it's really just about limiting the big plays from DJ Moore and trying to at least, you know, limit the damages of Justin Fields running it on his own. I'm going to go a relatively low scoring game just because of the Falcons defense and Chicago's defense for that matter is pretty good. I'm going to go Falcons 17, Bears 13. So a pretty low scoring Affair, but um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty uh I'm pretty confident the Falcons could pull out a win. But let's get into the next game. We've got Raiders Colts. I think this one could be pretty good. Um, look, the Raiders have something going on with this team that makes them kind of exciting. I know last week, um, you know they get the win, but it was sloppy. Nonetheless, you beat the Chiefs, which is a huge, huge deal. You had one of the highest viewed games uh, in Monday night or Monday football history. It wasn't really Monday night football. It was at 1 o'clock. But this game has a huge potential to be good for the Raiders and the Colts, both of them. The Colts are very much in the playoff race. I think at the moment they're leading their division. No, they're second in the AFC South right now. The Jags have the tiebreaker over them. But they have a really good chance here. Right now, they do sit in the playoffs as the seventh seed. They have the tiebreaker over the Texans who are in their division. They have the tiebreaker over the Bengals and the Steelers. And um, I love the Colts' chances here. The problem is the guys behind them. You still have to fend off the Texans and the Bengals and the Steelers and this Raiders team. They still have, a, you know, if they win, they have a 30% chance. Right now, a 12% chance to make the playoffs. But if they win a 30% chance to make the playoffs, the Colts, if they win, a 69% chance to win the playoffs. I think when it comes to this matchup, though, I just trust the Colts to make plays for the entire game. Obviously, the Raiders have guys that can make plays, for sure. But... Josh Jacobs, still questionable. Uh, Michael Mayer is questionable in this game. Malcolm Kuntz is questionable in this game. I don't know what happened with Aiden O'Connell. I'm not sure if it was LeJarius Sneed just locking up those wide receivers last week or what. But not completing a pass after the first quarter is It's almost incredible to do that. And I will say, Aiden O'Connell leading this team you know, for a majority of this season has done a great job. Antonio Pierce, as the interim head coach, has done a great job. But when we're talking backup quarterbacks, Gardner Minshew has been one of the best, if not the best backup to fill in this season. He's played almost every game this season. I think Anthony Richardson went out in like week four for the season. Gardner Minshew has done a fantastic job. 14 touchdowns, nine interceptions. He, you know, after this coming game, he'll be over 3,000 passing yards for the season. He's done some fantastic stuff. He's led them to an 8-7 and seven record thus far. They have a great chance to jump into first place, but the Jaguars have a pretty easy matchup versus uh, the Carolina Panthers this week. Man, it's it's tough. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it is real tough here because the Raiders' defense looks so good, and you can never count out Max Crosby. That guy is a monster So, oh, man, it is tough. I think I'm going to have to stick with the Colts just because I trust the offense to put up points more than I trust the Raiders' defense to stop them or definitely the Raiders' to put up points. So, I'm going to go, oh, yeah, I'm going to go Colts, man, this is tough. I'm going to go Colts 23. Raiders 14. That's it. Colts 23, Raiders 14. And then our next matchup, Rams-Giants. The Rams turning things around this season and putting themselves in a fantastic spot. They're sixth right now uh, in the NFC playoff. And if they win, they go to an 87% chance to make the playoffs. If they lose... They drop off pretty significantly because there's quite a few teams in waiting. They sit at eight and seven along with the Seahawks, but um, obviously four spots already taken up in the playoffs with the Niners, the Eagles, the Lions, and the Cowboys. So it's really just the Rams and Seahawks fighting for it. And then whatever the hell happens in the NFC South. So, Rams and Seahawks 8-7, and And then you have Vikings, Packers, Saints, Falcons, all at 7-8. The Rams must win this game. The Giants, already mathematically eliminated. They're 5-10. Honestly, they should be losing in hopes of keeping wherever their draft pick is because they're going to need it after what we saw this season. But Tyrod Taylor is taking over the starting spot fully. Tommy Cutlitz gets benched last week during the game. Now. Tyrod's taking his spot in this game. He's the starting quarterback. Look, I trust Tyrod Taylor. The guy's been around the league long enough to just simply win games. And I don't know. The problem is is that Matthew Stafford and this Rams offense have been rolling. They look so good in this back half of the season. But 3-4 and on the road is not great, especially going into MetLife Stadium where Guys like to hurt themselves a lot. It meant live stadium, but impressive wins for the Rams in this second half. You beat the Seahawks, a big win there. You beat the Cardinals, a huge win over the Cleveland Browns. While Then again, the Browns were in this phase of trying to figure things out. I think that was like one of Flacco's first weeks with the team. Nonetheless, you played a super close game with the Ravens. You took them to overtime. You play a great game, and you beat the Commanders. Last week, you play a great game. You beat the Saints. The Rams look so good right now, obviously with the help of Kyron Williams, who has really come out of nowhere this season and just dominated. But, obviously, Cooper Cup is fully back, completely, completely back to Cooper Cup that we knew pre-injury. And Puka Nakua, obviously the, the breakout rookie star, Puka Nakua, has a huge effect on this offense because you can't just ignore him. You can't just double team Cooper Cup like teams have done in the past against the Rams. You have to think about Puka, you even have to think about Demarcus Robinson, who's filled in well. Uh, while Tutu Atwell was hurt, Tutu's back, but Demarcus Robinson is for sure the number three wide receiver now. He earned that role during Tutu Atwell's absence. So, I think this is a pretty easy pick for the Rams. The score is going to be tough. They're they're a six and a half point favorite, um, or I guess a five and a half point favorite now, um, and, and it's hard. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go Rams twenty four, Giants. Let's go Giants seventeen. Rams twenty four. Giants seventeen. Uh, a touchdown victory for the Rams. In our next game, so many games on Sunday, especially <laughs> at 1 o'clock. There is a lot to watch. So, our next game, Cardinals-Eagles. Obviously, the Eagles are going to win this football game. They're a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. Sorry, spreads moved to 11. They're an 11-point favorite. Jalen Hurts has been playing much better. Um Kyler Murray's a little banged up, which isn't great for the Cardinals. So, I think this is for sure the Eagles. And – um Your only worry is that you're facing your former coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. I'm not too worried about it because it doesn't matter what kind of coach this Cardinals team has. They just don't have the players to beat this Eagles team. Um, You know, I know that the struggles have been there for sure, uh, considering, you know, they got things right after this win over the Giants. But it wasn't as impressive as you would have hoped for. But losing those three straight definitely killed their confidence definitely turned the media and the fans, not of Philly, but just fans of the NFL in general, kind of turned them on them. They they looked a little more fraud-like, if you will. You lose 42-19 to the 49ers. Then you lose 33-13 to the Cowboys. And then you lose a close one to the Seahawks. People start asking some questions. And they certainly ask questions. I... Oh man, it's tough with the Eagles because they're clearly not what they were last year. They're not nearly as dominant, but obviously they're, they're going to win this game against the Cardinals. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Eagles thirty. No, no, I don't trust the offense that much. I'm going to go Eagles twenty eight. Nah, Eagles twenty seven. Being real indecisive, Eagles twenty seven. Cardinals. Uh, I'll, I'll give them. I'll give them 13, 27-13, Eagles. Next game, though, Saints-Buccaneers. This one, big for the division standings. Obviously, Buccaneers hold the lead right now in the division, 8-7. and seven, But the Saints and the Falcons, right behind them at 7-8, and eight, this is big for Tampa. If they want to win this division, they have to win this game in particular. It's going to be a tough one. Baker Mayfield's been playing great. Derek Carr's been playing pretty well, too. You know, Chris Olave a little banged up. But I don't think that'll be an issue. I think he'll be good to go. Uh, My biggest thing is you got to get Alvin Kamara way more incorporated back into this offense. I don't know what has happened with Kamara. It just seems like the production has significantly slowed down for this Rams team. And you come off the loss last week against the Rams. And, you know, a lot of people have questions, of course, but to me it's all about Kamara's issues because you look at his last couple of games. Last week against the Rams, he had nine carries for 19 yards, and he only had five receptions for 16 yards. I don't know what the deal is there. He's a 100 from scrimmage every time kind of player. Like, he's the kind of guy that'll get you, like, two weeks ago, 66 yards on the ground, 44 yards in the air. That's the kind of Alvin Kamara we need to see if they want to win football games. But you lose football games or you don't play great <laughs> when he has a game like he did last week. And yeah, I overall I just I need to see good stuff out of Alvin Kamara because he should be the leader of the offense. I know Chris Olave's been outstanding. Alvin Kamara should be the focal point of this offense and it just Doesn't seem like that's been the case. So, our, uh, I I just, uh, yeah, look, with the Buccaneers, Mike Evans, of course, having a great season. He always gets over a 1,000 yards. That's what he does. But Rashad White, also very good. I just don't know if Baker Mayfield can keep it up. And I know, like, they've won four straight. I get it. Like, they beat you know, two division opponents in that span. Then they beat the Packers on the road in Lambeau. And then you bring the Jags to Raymond James and you whoop up on him. I just don't know if it's real. I, I I don't. Maybe I'm biased against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I don't know if it's real and I don't know if I can trust Baker Mayfield to be that guy for this team. Oh, it's uh it's a tough decision here. I think, man, I think I'm going to go with the Saints in the upset. A a two-and-a-half point underdog. I'm going to take the Saints. I'm going to take the Saints 21, the Buccaneers 20. Very close one. Um, That's how I've got it. Our next game, 49ers-Commanders. Okay, listen. The 49ers are going to win. I know... People like to overreact. Oh, Brock Purdy threw four interceptions and no touchdowns last week. That's a different kind of defense, and we'll talk about that defense in a second, but that's a different kind of defense in Baltimore. The 49ers are different as well. Don't think that that was the, the you know all-telling story of what this 49ers team is. It's not at all what this 49ers team is, and it really started there with Brock Purdy. Christian McCaffrey still looked great in that game last week. Debo Samuel got a lot of targets, didn't do much. But Ayuk looked great. Kittle had a great game. It just didn't all come together. And, look, people are going to say Brock Purdy got hurt at the end, blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't totally say he got hurt. He definitely got banged up. Wouldn't say he was hurt. But this is the team you want to (laughs) play. If you have been having any issues offensively, especially in the passing game, you want to play the Washington Commanders. Literally the worst passing defense in the league this season. They have been abysmal. I'm going to pull up the stat right now for their average passing yards per game this season. They've been giving up 261.6 net passing yards per game. They've given up 33 passing touchdowns and they've only intercepted the ball seven times. That's, uh, it's questionable for sure. It, it, okay, but let's be honest. It's just bad. It is. It's just bad. So, ah, uh, yeah. The Cowboys are, er, sorry, not the Cowboys. The Commanders are really bad. The run defense isn't horrible, but they certainly ain't good at it. Uh, they're giving up. Actually, Now that I'm looking at the stats, it's pretty bad. 122.7 rushing yards per game for their opponents. Damn. And Sam Howell's benched for Jacoby Brissett. Don't think that this is like the end of Sam Howell for the Commanders. I just think that Jacoby Brissett simply supplies experience. And Howell's just not used to playing every single game in an NFL season. It's only his second year in the league. He's only had, what, I think he had one start in the season prior to this year. So, you know, don't condemn his efforts this season just because a couple bad performances here as of late and kind of just throughout the season he had a couple bad ones. He's still young, and I still think he's the franchise guy at the moment. Uh, I don't want the commanders to turn, you know, turn on him. But I don't think it's Sam Howell's fault for the struggles of this team at all. The offensive line has not been good. I think it all starts at the top with the head coach as well. Ron Verge just simply kind of lost his touch. Um, I, Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. Cam Newton made that, man. Uh, But I, uh, don't give up on Sam Howell yet is kind of the, uh, the moral of the story here. But for the 49ers, Purdy's going to bounce back. This is the team to bounce back against. And um, McCaffrey... I still like him for the MVP. I know Lamar's the favorite. I like him for the MVP. Barry Sanders actually was talking about this, uh, on Twitter. He said, You know this award is going to a quarterback. I rushed for two thousand yards in ninety seven and they made me a co MVP with Brett Favre. I do think there's a shot that Christian will split it with insert QB here is what he said. I think it'd be Lamar, uh if anybody right now, just because of, you know, the the odds, but um, I don't think the NFL is in a position right now where they want to split MVPs. I, I don't think anybody wants them to I know it's it's voted on by the the Associated Press, but I don't know. I, I don't I don't think they're going to split. I don't think they're splitting awards anymore. I think it's going to one guy. But my thing is like McCaffrey's. I wouldn't. I don't know about clearly him and Tyreek Hill got to be front runners for Offensive Player of the Year. Obviously, Tyreek Hill chasing down 2,000, um, and it would take quite a hill to climb, no pun intended, uh, for him to get to 2,000. But I do think McCaffrey has a shot at MVP um, more than Tyreek because the problem with it being a wide receiver is that it relies on a quarterback to have an outstanding season as well. So, like, is going to probably finish higher in MVP voting than Tyreek Hill because two was the one giving him the ball. Whereas Christian McCaffrey, yes, he does get a lot of receiving yards, but Brock Purdy has been the guy passing the ball for this team, and Christian McCaffrey has been the guy saving their asses every single week. Um, you know, whether Purdy has a good game or not, Christian McCaffrey's there to do some work, score a touchdown, whatever it may be. So I like his chances. I also understand what Barry's saying here. Uh, saying that they're probably not giving it to a running back because uh, I, I think I agree there. uh. But final score, shit, 49ers by 100. Um, oh, I, I, I just can't imagine the commanders keeping it low scoring. I want to go with, like, a ridiculous number, like a 42-point game for the 49ers, but it's a bounce back. It's not going to be like a – it's not like they've been on a hot streak and now they're rolling into Washington with – you know, a fantastic performance on their back. Proc Purdy just threw four picks. Um, I'm going to go I'm gonna go 49ers, 38, which is still a ridiculous number. Um, commanders. Ugh. Yeah, I'll give them 13. I'll give them a touchdown and two field goals. Uh, our next game, though, is the game. Just kidding. That's the next one. But Panthers, Jaguars. Uh, it's it's important for Jacksonville. Um that's it. <laughs> that's all it is. This game's important for Jacksonville and that's that's it. Um the Panthers suck. They're 0 and eight on the road. The Jaguars not great at home. Three and five at home is very bad for a team that might win this division. They gotta figure some things out. Trevor's obviously got begged up. Whew. And Etienne hasn't been fantastic. I thought he was, you know, making a turn for the better, and then he just has another stinker. He just kind of keeps doing that. I don't trust this offense to just take over, but I do trust them to beat the Panthers. So we'll just keep it brief here. Uh I'm gonna go Jags uh Jags twenty-seven, Panthers seven. I'm going for a, a Ah no, I don't think it's gonna be that wide of a margin. gonna we'll go jag's twenty one panthers thirteen yeah i think I think that's more comfortable uh, of a number. um, I'm realizing I've gave every team a touchdown this week. We'll see if I regret that, but two more games in the one o'clock slate, and this is the game. This is the game of the week. This is the one to watch. Don't know why it's at 1 p.m. considering we have flex scheduling. Don't ask, but Dolphins Ravens, the Dolphins 11 and four, the Ravens 12 and three, a chance for the Dolphins to clinch the AFC East and potentially get home field advantage for all of the AFC playoff games. This one's huge for the Dolphins. It's also huge for the Ravens. If the Ravens get this win, they move to 13-4. Certainly makes them look like the best team in the league. But let's talk about how good the Ravens actually are this season. Like, it's, it flew under the radar for the first couple of weeks. But now it's like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know what the deal is. So, the Ravens are amazing. Like, unprecedentedly I don't even know if that's a word. They're, they're amazing. They have not trailed by more than seven points at any point this season. And, and we've played 16 games. <laughs> or fif- 15 games. We Let me just say that again. They have not trailed by more than seven points in 15 games this season. That is absurd. But they also have seven wins by 14 or more points this season. And all of those opponents are currently above 500. You have the game against Houston, Cleveland, Detroit, Seattle, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, and of course, the San Francisco 49ers, which is the huge one. And no team in NFL history has had more than five regular season wins by 14 plus points against teams to finish that season with a winning record. That is absurd. And it gets better. The Ravens have faced two of the NFL's four teams with 11 wins this season. And they beat them the Lions 38 to six, and the 49ers 33 to 19. And now Baltimore owns the best record in the NFL, and they face another one of those 11-win teams in the Miami Dolphins. It's going to be one hell of a game, no matter which way you put it. The Dolphins are great. They have the most explosive offense we've maybe ever seen. They scored 70 points in a game. Tua has been fantastic over four thousand passing yards he's got twenty six touchdowns and he's limited the picks all the way down to ten picks this season and then mostert has been amazing. I think he broke the franchise record for touchdowns in a season by a single player um you know wide receiver or running back he's got two hundred and nine carries for over a thousand rushing yards this season. he's one of the best yards per carry guys in the n f l And then you put him with Tyreek Hill, 106 receptions, 1,641 yards and 12 touchdowns, just an absolute beast. He is the target on this team, and he's really going to be the target this week because it's very, very likely they will not have Jalen Waddle in this game. Not a good sign. What's also not a good sign is that this Ravens defense – Genuinely just hurts people. Like, they're not just good. They hurt people. Week 6, Ryan Tannehill, high ankle sprain. Week 10, Deshaun Watson, fractured shoulder. Week 11, Joe Burrow, torn wrist ligament. Week 15, Trevor Lawrence, concussion. And then if we want to count it, if we want to count it, Week 16, Brock Purdy came out of the game, hurt his hand, I think. Seemed like kind of just a cop-out for throwing four picks. Whatever, still they hurt people. Like this is a, this is football. I'll, I'll tell you what this Ravens team plays football, in case you weren't aware. And I think they're gonna win this football game. I think they're gonna win twenty-four to twenty-one. Not that high scoring, nothing crazy. Um, the Ravens just have the defense to stop the dolphins from scoring, I believe. They have a fast secondary. I'm pretty sure Kyle Hamilton got hurt last week. I pending. This this final score is pending. He was not a participant at Wednesday's practice. Okay, that's not good. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Oh, Zay Flowers didn't practice. Thursday. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I have reassessed. The Ravens are still winning. The Dolphins can't beat teams over five hundred. Especially not on the road. They're four and three on the road. Give me the Ravens. Still. Uh, yeah, I still like it. Twenty-four, twenty-one. Give me the Ravens. All right, next game, final game of the one o'clocks Titans, Texans, obviously, the Titans suck five wins this season. They're one and six on the road um they're bad, they're real bad, I think, what their only win on the road, I think is the Panthers. um, I don't even know if that game was on the road, but they suck. I can assure you of that they certainly. Are not good at football. Sorry, they're only road win. was the Dolphins? Whatever. That's weird. But the Texans. You have a questionable CJ Stroud. Nickel Collins was pretty limited last week. He should be full go this week. They're they're kind of creeping back. If Stroud's here for this game, which um. I should probably check the injury report on that one before I uh, you know, get too deep into the analysis. Let's see. I but well, I don't see anything, which is possibly a good sign. Um Let's see. Texans injury reports. C.J. Stroud cleared concussion protocol, full practice Thursday. Okay. We're getting CJ this week. That's big. That's huge. Okay, yeah. I'm fully confident in the Texans now. Yeah. The rookie of the year is back on the field. Nico Collins fully back on the field. I like it now. Let's go uh Let's go. Texans 20 Texans 27 Titans 17. A 10-point victory. The Titans, or sorry, the Texans over their division rival and giving them a chance to uh, continue fighting for that AFC South title, which is currently a three way tie. All right, four o'clock games. We'll start off Steelers, Seahawks. Mason Rudolph remaining the starter for the Steelers, but the Seahawks, I believe Geno Smith is back in the lineup because uh, he did tweet. Earlier today, I believe, free three. Obviously three, being Geno Smith. Um, Yeah, I believe he's back. But a lot of guys a little banged up uh, on the offense. Jackson Smith and Jigbo, a little bit banged up. Same goes for Jake Bobo. Noah Fant, Damian Lewis, and Anthony Bradford on the line, also a little bit banged up. Um, Look, I don't know what's going to happen here. I have a feeling the Seahawks win. Steelers just—I know, I know they win games. They're eight and seven. Oh, it's so tough. Like they dominated the Bengals, <laughs> which just still blows my mind. I—I I don't really know how to explain it. Like they beat the Bengals thirty-four to eleven. Um, but also I still don't trust this offense. Like Pickens had one of the craziest games I've ever watched for sure. I still don't know how I feel about them though. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the Seahawks, uh, solely for the purpose of the twelfth man. It's at Lumen Field this week. Um, uh, yeah, I'm sure it's gonna be like cloudy, overcast, forty eight degrees. What it says right now on ESPN. Yeah, I'm going Seahawks. Um, purely home field advantage. Uh, I'm gonna take the Seahawks twenty one, Steelers seventeen. Actually, no, Steelers 13. Only one touchdown for him. Mason Rudolph lost the Christmas magic. All right, Chargers-Broncos. Crazy stuff from the Broncos. They benched Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has been benched for the remainder of the season. Jarrett Stidham will take his place as the starting quarterback. And Russell Wilson is going to get cut after the season's over. What? Like, what happened? What changed from what we were seeing? They were letting Russ cook. That's what I was under the impression of. thought Russ was cooking. Not last week. Last week was bad. I, I'll admit it. Last week was bad. The last two weeks were bad. 42-17 to 17 against the Lions, and then you lose to the Patriots. Yeah, yeah tough. I guess it's a money thing. They insist it's a football decision. But, apparently Russell Wilson's been aware of this for two months, so it doesn't seem like a football decision. Just to add more to the story, the Broncos allegedly threatened to bench Wilson after his performance and win, a great performance, and a win over the Chiefs if he did not remove the injury guarantees from his contract because because of the dead cap or some kind of money move um, that would affect him this season. And then Wilson, his camp, and the NFLPA negotiated with the Broncos, and they decided not to make changes to the contract. Now, a couple months later, he's been benched for the final two games of the season, and they're going to cut him. I get that it saves them money in some roundabout, fucked-up, NFL loophole way. It's ridiculous to be benching your starting quarterback when you're 7-8. and eight, You have a chance to make the playoffs right now because of money in the offseason. And I get it. The Broncos would owe him $37 million in cash, and they would have a record $85 million in dead money spread over the next 2 years if they cut russ. I get it. But this is it's football first. Football, financials. That's they're separate in my eyes. This is the NFL. This is literally the greatest institution of football ever in the world. This is the one. And we're benching I'm not going to say he's been amazing this season. We're benching a guy who's got better numbers this year than uh, Patrick Mahomes. I'll put that out there. You guys can do your own research. This guy's literally been playing better than Patrick Mahomes. This team has turned it around for sure. I know these last two losses have been bad. But if you're benching a guy over money rather than how he is producing on the field, you gotta be looked into. That's like, that's some some shady shit going on in the organization. Like, if they really threaten to bench him over a clause that they put as an organization into his contract, it's their fault. You can't threaten a guy for something that was your fault, your wrongdoing. You shouldn't have First of all, you should not have signed him to that lucrative of a deal. And second of all, if you didn't want to be in this situation, you shouldn't have traded for him. End of story. I get it. There's a lot of upside to a guy like Russell Wilson looking, you know, two years ago. But come on. Like, that's... The contract was ridiculous at the time. It's ridiculous to this day. But you can't hold it against the guy for taking it. That's my problem. I just, I I can't can't be on the side of the Broncos here. Russell Wilson's getting screwed, uh, just because they want to save money, if, and and Sean Payton doesn't like him. I I think that's ridiculous. But when it comes to what happens in this game, Jared Stidham had one hell of a run last year. I I would like to point that out. And the Chargers suck. They really suck. <laughs> I will say. They do have some good things going for them. Um, a lot of those things keep getting injured, but there are good things. Uh, obviously, Keenan Allen injured. That's their good thing. That's the the best thing on the Chargers, Keenan Allen, and didn't participate on Thursday practice, so that's not a great sign, and neither did Joshua Palmer, uh, who had a concussion. Also not a great sign. Considering Mike Williams uh, is out for the season. Ah, man. Yeah, the Chargers have no chance. Even against Jared Stidham, they have no chance. Uh, I'm going to go pretty low scoring, though. I'm going to go Broncos 17, Chargers 7. Yeah, the Chargers still suck, uh, despite firing their head coach. All right, next game. One of the more exciting ones as well of the week, Bengals Chiefs. Obviously, the legend of Jake Browning continues. But after that horrible, horrible loss to the Steelers, can they bounce back against this Chiefs team, a 9-6 and six Chiefs team that simply needs to change some things? They started off this season so hot. They were 6-1. And and then they lost to the Broncos. And everybody thought it was over. And then they beat the Dolphins. And it's like, okay, now we're back. And then they lose to the Eagles. Everybody thinks it's over. They bounce back. They beat the Raiders. It's the next ones that hurt. It's the loss to the Packers. The loss to the Bills. Not a the best win against the Patriots. Now a loss to the Raiders. Three weeks before this season's over. You can't tell me that this Chiefs team looks remotely close to the team that won the Super Bowl last year. And a lot of it comes down to the offense. This offense has sucked. They lead the NFL in dropped passes, if you couldn't guess. And it just seems like things need to change. Travis Kelsey has not had his best season. Patrick Mahomes has thrown 14 interceptions. 14 interceptions for Patrick Mahomes this season. He's crazy. They have no running game. Pacheco's in and out of the lineup, getting hurt, not hurt. Clyde Edwards Alaire's a bum. Jarek McKinnon is a bum. Like, there's no run game. Kadarius Tony's a bum. Rashi Rice has a game here and there. It's bad. The Chiefs are bad. Luckily, they have one hell of a defense. LeJarius Sneed is amazing. Locks every week. Um you know, I like other guys on that defense. Obviously, Chris Jones is a dog. Nick Bolton is a dog. Are they good enough to beat this Bengals team right now? Vegas says so. Seven-point favorite over this Bengals team. But Jamar Chase might be back. That's something to look for. Be- even if LeJarius needs on Jamar Chase, it's something to look for if he's back in the lineup because T. Higgins has looked fantastic in his absence. And let's be honest, if you're a wide receiver, and you're going up, or sorry. Let me let me rephrase this. If your number one wide receiver is in the game and you're going up against the Chiefs, you should feel pretty good if T. Higgins is right behind him because he's not getting covered by Lujerius Snead. And if they do put him on him, one of the best wide receivers in the game is going to be open because Jamar is always open. We know that for a fact. He has made it very. Very clear, he's always open. So, don't worry about him not wanting to catch the ball. If T. Higgins can have a good game while Jamar Chase is on the field, the Bengals will win this football game. I trust Jake Browning enough to do that. Joe Mixon might need to help him out a little bit. That's a lot to ask for from Joe Mixon. I'll say that. Man, predictions, though, it's tough to go against that seven-point spread, man. It is, but I do not like the Chiefs' offense at all, and I like this Bengals' offense. I like that Jamar is likely going to be playing in this game. Ah, uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Bengals twenty-four, Chiefs twenty. I just don't trust the Chiefs to put up a lot of points. I know the Bengals don't have the best defense, but. I trust the offense more than I trust the Chiefs' offense. So, yeah, I'm taking the bagels. All right, Sunday Night Football, the conclusion of Week 16. You won't miss anything for Monday's episode next week. We'll cover everything um, in, until we inevitably forget to give you a final update on Sunday Night Football, as we do every time. Um, But Packers, Vikings, big one for seeding. Because they're both still in the picture. They're both 7-8. and eight. They sit ahead of the Saints and the Falcons, and the Bears, of course, uh, as teams in the race. But a Packers win this week puts them at a 56% chance to make it in. A Vikings win this week puts them at a 50% chance to make it in. They are both not only bagging on a victory in this game, but a loss for either the Rams or the Seahawks or both. Um. Look, they really, really need something here. If the Packers can win this game and the Rams lose to the Giants, which I don't think is going to happen. We already talked about that game. If they do, they have the tiebreaker over them and head-to-head, the Packers would have a playoff spot. It's not that simple. It's not easy to beat the Vikings. The Vikings are, we will say, starting... Jaron Hall and the Packers are suspending Jair Alexander for a game. That one's questionable. Uh, Yeah, Jair Alexander, in case you didn't realize, went out as a captain, called the coin toss, almost fucked it up, uh, and was a fourth captain that was not selected by Coach Matt LaFleur. Um, and Jair, trying to reason for his actions of simply breaking the rules and almost fucking his team over, said, I'm from Charlotte while playing the Panthers. So you just thought you were a captain and you could just go out for the coin toss. That's absurd. You you gent, like, the fine, or sorry, the suspension was for conduct detrimental to the team or whatever. That is textbook. Conduct detrimental to the team. Like, imagine he went out there and said, we want to kick, rather than we defer, whatever. If he said we want to kick, they would just kick off both halves. Like, that's that's how important it is to say the right thing at the coin toss. So coaches think about that heavily when they're doing this stuff. Like it's not just like a, a joke. None of it is. Like, you actually have to do the right thing at the coin toss. If Jair Alexander went out there and messed it up, he could have totally screwed his team in a game that they needed everything. Everything it took to win. I understand the suspension. I think it was something simply dumb. That was a dumb move by Jair Alexander. I'll say that. But back to the Vikings. They're starting Jaron Hall. They're sitting Nick Mullins. So, Another change, um, you know, we saw Jaron Hall briefly start a game, uh, which started um, Josh Dobbs, Lynn's sanity run for the Vikings. But Jared Hall's good. He's a rookie. He was relatively highly touted coming out of college. I, I actually kind of liked him when we talked, you know, about the draft and all that. He was kind of a sneaky quarterback to look at. I like him. I think he's got a chance to play well in this game. Especially with Jerry Alexander out of the game. But T.J. Hawkinson tore his ACL and MCL last week, and he will miss the remainder of the season. That does not help. Some things are on their side, though. The Packers are 2-5 and five at U.S. Bank Stadium. Not good <laughs> at all for the Packers. But then you look on the other side. The Vikings cannot hold a lead. They have led in all of their eight losses this season. That is not good, and they're only a one-point favorite in this game. I like the Packers, man. I love that offense. I do. I've talked about it multiple, multiple weeks in a row. I love Jordan Love. I think Christian Watson might be finding his way back into the team this week. Jaden Reed. He's one of my favorite rookies this season, though he's not going to be like a Rookie of the Year candidate. He's had a great year, and I think he's a very fun player to watch. But Romeo Dubs is great. Um, the the tight ends, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Kraft, both rookies, both great. Uh, and then, of course, you have the tandem, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. Um, they just kind of do things, man. Sometimes they just do things, and it is amazing to witness <laughs> I'm going to go with the Packers. Do I know why? Not really. Do I think they're going to win? Yes. I'm going to take the Packers 23-21. 23-21. Game-winning field goal. Give me that final outcome as well. Game-winning field goal for the Packers. From, what's his name, Anders Carlson, I think is his name. But yeah, that's uh yeah, no no Monday night game, so that will be NFL week 17. The definitive outcomes of week 17 right here right now before they even happen. Uh let's go ahead and uh get a little playoff picture update just in case you're wondering on kind of where we're at going into these final two weeks of the season. So, on the AFC side, only two teams have clinched a spot in the playoff. Be the Ravens and the Dolphins. Then, all the teams after them. You've got the first place team in the AFC West, the Kansas City Chiefs. They win this game this week. They clinch the division. They make it in, for sure. The Jags, at 8-7, and seven, lead the AFC South, which they are tied with the Colts and the Texans for the next spot in their division. And if the Jags win this game against Carolina, They have an 81% chance of making the playoffs. Next being the Browns, the fifth seed at the moment, because the Ravens are so goddamn good. The Browns right now have a greater than 99% chance to make the playoffs, and even if they lose, have a greater than 99% chance to make the playoffs. But if they win this game, they will clinch the playoffs at 11-5 going into week, seven, or, uh, week 18. So, a big win over the Jets this week would be huge for the Browns being one of the best teams in the NFL right now. But, <coughs> excuse me, but your next team in the AFC, the Bills. The Bills in an interesting spot. We talked about how they do have a chance to win the division. Not a great one, but they have a chance, nonetheless. And, if they win this game, they go to a 97% chance of making the playoffs. So, essentially shoot in. They, if they move to 10-6 and six this week, they'll make the playoffs. They lose, real tough sledding. 9-7 is not a lock. Um, and obviously 9-8 really isn't. Right now they're at an 88% chance to make the playoffs by NFL Next Gen Stats. If they lose, they'll go down to a 46%. Not where you want to be. You always want to be over 50% when we're talking about making the playoffs. But the Colts right behind them have an interesting chance to really shake things up. They sit in 7th place right now. They have the final spot in their pocket. But it's still not certain. They could win against the Raiders this week, which tremendously helps them because that would put the Raiders at 7-9. and nine, Pretty much a racing them out of the playoff chances which they don't have a great chance but they would be erased from the playoff race that would be huge of course but also they need to hope that the Texans lose games they need to hope that the Jags lose games because the Colts they win this week and the Jags somehow get upset by the Panthers they're winning this division all of the sudden a lot rides on the Colts winning out for the Colts at least obviously um And I think they've got a great chance to do so. They're a good team, and they play good football. Their remaining two teams, obviously the Raiders this week, and then the Texans, they go head-to-head. They want the Texans to lose this week badly. They want the Texans to lose this week really badly because you don't want the fate of your season relying on Week 18. Simply. I don't know what will happen, but like we just talked about, on the bubble, the Texans. The Texans at number 8. Then you have the Bengals, who, with that loss to the Steelers, really screwed up, really screwed them up. They could be sitting pretty with the Bills and the Browns in a wild-card spot. Instead, they're down here with the lowly Steelers that they just lost to and the Texans. The Bengals are an interesting case, man, because if they win, they'll have a fantastic chance to jump the Colts and make it in. You lose, doesn't look good. It actually looks extremely bad. 8-8, eight and eight, not where you want to be if you want to make the playoffs. The Steelers, right after the Bengals, they have no chance. I'm going to be honest. Like, I know they have a chance. They have no chance. Uh, and then you have the Raiders and the Broncos, who both really don't have a great chance uh, of making it in. And then you're, uh man, ugh. Eliminated teams at the moment the Patriots, Chargers, Titans, and Jets. On the NFC side, maybe more interesting, less interesting. More teams have clinched, obviously. Five or sorry, four teams have clinched the 49ers, the Eagles, the Lions, and the Cowboys. The 49ers clinched their division. The Lions have clinched their division, both of them at 11 and 4. The Eagles, real damn close to clinching their division. Whew. I don't know why I'm yawning so much. Um Eagles real damn close to clinching their division, and the Cowboys would need the Eagles to lose and blah, 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 to clinch their division. Whatever. They've got the five seed right now. Your next four teams, or sorry, your next three teams that can make the playoff. Bucks, or whoever wins the NFC South, because it's just a clusterfuck. Uh the Rams, who are the sixth seed right now, but have to win. Genuinely have to win. Right now, their playoff chances are a sixty-six percent. If they win, they go to an eighty-seven percent. They lose, they go all the way down to a twenty-six percent chance to make the playoffs. Not good. <clears throat> Seahawks in a similar boat as well. They're third in the NFC West right now, only on the tiebreaker, so they sit in seventh simply on a technicality. They currently have a sixty-nine percent chance of making the playoffs. They play the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. The Steelers are playing to make the playoff. It's crazy. It is. I think the Steelers win, which will put them to an 87% chance. They lose, they go down to a 40% chance. Because the team's waiting on the outside. There's quite a few. There's four teams sitting on the outside, just a game behind both of these teams. The Vikings, the Packers, the Saints, the Falcons, all of them. Just a game behind trying to make it in with two to play. The Saints and the Falcons. Oddly enough, the Saints are technically the 10 seed in the playoff, but they're third in the NFC South, while the Falcons are the 11 seed and they're second in the NFC South. I don't know how that works. I'll be honest. Uh, But the Falcons have a better chance of winning the division. The Saints have a better chance of just making the playoffs probably because they're about to play the Buccaneers. <clears throat> the Packers and the Vikings, one of them is essentially going to be knocking the other one out of the playoffs this week. One of them is going to move to 7-9. and nine. One of them is going to be moving to 8-8. Eight and eight. They have a good chance to do so. I Like I said, I like the Packers. I want them to make it in. If the Packers lose, they're fucked. If the Vikings lose, they're fucked. The Saints lose. The Falcons lose. Whatever. They're all fucked. The Bears sit down here with nothing. They have a less than 1% chance of making the playoffs right now. If they win, it goes to 1%. If they lose, they're eliminated. Not a great chance. Don't even need to talk about the Bears. So, a lot to look out for. Um, You know, there is some tie-breaking procedures or whatever. I'm not going to go through that kind of stuff. But, there's a whole lot of stuff to look out for in these last two weeks of the NFL. So, enjoy yourselves because it is going to be One hell of a time. And speaking of one hell of a time, let's talk about some MLB free agency stuff. A lot of of stuff happening. Obviously, we were going to do our top uh, five catchers, I believe, this week. Or maybe left field. I can't remember. One of the two we were supposed to be doing. But with Luke being sick, kind of axed that idea. And I decided that um will delay the catchers to next week. And I'll just kind of update our free agency landing spots. Me and Colin did these uh, a little while ago, and um it was pretty fun to look at. So obviously, with so many signings already occurring, you know, Yamamoto, Otani, all those guys off the board, plenty of other guys off the board as well. We're going to go through the best of the rest. We're going to talk about where I think the guy will go. And where I want them to go. So, obviously, I'm not going to be as biased as you'd think. I'm not just going to be like, yeah, I want him on the Braves. I want him on the Braves. I want him on the Braves. I think I only picked one guy <laughs> that I want on the Braves, and I don't think I picked a single guy that's actually, that I think will go to the Braves. So, I'm not biased. just want to put that out there. But uh, I think I've got 10 guys here on the list, and we're just going to rattle them off. So, we'll start with Cody Bellinger, the best available hitter, according to CBS Sports they think. Or okay. I think he's going to go to the Cubs. I think he's going back to the Cubs. The Cubs are the only team in the MLB that has not acquired a player via free agency or trade this entire offseason. And considering they just spent $5 million a year to get a manager, you might think they were going to spend some money. Obviously. Everybody said they were in on the Otani sweepstakes, but uh, I don't know if they were ever really a contender. I know they're a historic franchise. I don't think they had the allure of a winning situation like Otani wanted. So I feel like they have to get Bellinger back. He can play center field. He can play corner outfield. He can play first. He's a great DH. And he really proved something on a prove it deal last year. Place I want him to go is the Cincinnati Reds. I don't think they're really in the market to be spending that kind of money right now, Um, but I'd love for them to do it. They need a power-hitting outfielder. Me and Colin talked about this dilemma the other day. Um, I think maybe we recommended Reese Hoskins. I can't quite remember who it was that we talked about potentially going to the Reds and that we liked them going there, but I want Belly there. I, I think... You could put him in center, like I said. You could put him in the corner outfield. You could DH. You could first base. Whatever. They need the power hitting outfielder. They need a power hitting lefty. This just seems like the perfect match. Cody Bellinger seems like the perfect match. The only issue would be the financials. That's why I don't think he will go there, but it is the place I'd like him to be. Moving on, Matt Chapman best third base, best infielder available in free agency. I think with the Blue Jays missing out on Shohei and not likely to spend the money that would be required to get Bellinger, they're going to try and bring back Chapman. It's the best option they have. He's still an elite glove. He's a great hitter. Why not try to bring him back? Now, the issue is we're a couple months in a free agency now, Doesn't seem like anything's happened on that side. I still think he's going back there, though. A lot of times, if you're going to re-sign with a team, you already knew it, or you're going to find out real late. It just seems that way. It seems like the guys that re-sign, like Nola, re-signs immediately. Maybe a guy like Bellinger or Chapman. I just think they're going to go back to where they were. I I don't know. It it just doesn't seem like other teams are going to entice them as much especially for Chapman. I don't know what it is about him. It just doesn't seem like there's an enticing landing spot for him outside of staying with the Blue Jays. But I want him to go to the Giants. I want the Giants to be good again, if that makes any sense. Um, it's a franchise that was great. As I kind of got more and more in-depth fan of baseball, the Giants were good. And obviously – Florida State guy, connection to Buster Posey. Not on the team anymore, but absolutely love Buster Posey. I like to see the Giants be good, and they're going to have to be really good. You have to build one hell of a team to beat out the Dodgers. Nobody's going to beat them in that division. doesn't matter. But if you want to contend, you got to build a good lineup, and I think it starts with defense. Matt Chapman supplies you defense, and he supplies you a good bat at third base. You can't ask for much more at third base than what you get with Matt Chapman. You know, he's going to give you the best glove at third base in the league. He's going to give you one of the best bats. He proved it last year. He proves it every single year over and over and over again. So, Matt Chapman, I want you to go to the Giants. I think you'll re-sign with the Blue Jays. But let's get into some pitching. That's the hot-button issue. A lot of your top guys left are pitchers because they were kind of waiting for the dominoes to fall with Otani and Yamamoto. They have fallen now. Blake Snell is one that is very interesting case for sure in El Cy Young winner in 2023. But he was on a really bad team, and he did not have the best start to the season. He just turned things around amazingly. He needs to go somewhere where he can not only be number one in the rotation, just to fuel his ego, I guess, but also make some money. It needs to be a team that's always willing to spend money on pitching. This team is always willing to get one pitcher. (laughs) I think he's going to the Angels. They've shown a ton of interest in him. It seems like a good place for him. Joins up with some good players. Probably not going to win anything. <laughs> I, I hate to say, but if you do find yourself in a playoff spot, this guy's got World Series experience. The place I want him to go is the Giants, though. The Angels aren't exciting. They're not going to make the playoffs. I'm not going to kid myself there. The Giants would be enticing. I know. It seems like I'm rooting for the Giants a lot here. It just kind of makes sense to me. I think the Giants works for Blake Snell. I think California is the place for Blake Snell. Obviously, played for the Padres last year. I think he's going to go to the Angels. I want him to go to the Giants. I obviously like California for Blake Snell. It just seems right. It just does. A, a very good left-handed starter for the Giants. Helps them out a ton. It it seems like a good move, uh, in my eyes at least. So, yeah, I think uh, I think I want him to go to the Giants. Something tells me he ends up with the Angels. More importantly, the best closer in the whole whole free agency, I'm not going to say whole league, there's some guys to dispute for, Josh Hader is a free agent. Now, I'd love to say that I think he's going to the Braves, and that I want him on the Braves. But realistically, If we get a a closer or reliever, we have to ship off Minter or Iglesias. And I don't want that to happen as much as I am tired of their inconsistencies. Primarily Iglesias. So I reserved myself. I stopped it. I stopped my Braves bias from getting in the way here. And not only do I think he will go here, I want him to go here. Josh Hader to the Rangers seems like the best one. Their issue all the way through last season, was the closers. Their bullpen almost single-handedly took them out of the playoff race. Araldis, LeClerc, numerous other guys in that bullpen really screwed things up for them. Josh Hader does not screw up. He doesn't. Yeah, maybe he gave up a walk-up homer to Freddie Freeman. Yeah, sure, guys do that sometimes. You don't give up six runs. <laughs> I, I can assure you of that. Josh Hader does not give up six. You could probably look it up. He's probably never given up six runs in a relief appearance. But the Rangers just seems like the best fit because a World Series team always loses players. They need to bring one in. Hader is the guy for the Rangers to bring in for that bullpen because that was their issue the whole time. If they want an easier route to winning a World Series this year, win more games. And you win more games with strong relief pitching. Josh Hader is the place to find it. So, I think uh, Hader to the Rangers. But, let's go two more starters. we got Marcus Stroman first. I've got the reverse of Snell here. I think he'll go to the Giants. But I want him to go to the Angels. Marcus Stroman... Doesn't seem like the kind of pitcher, that should be pitching in a huge market. I don't know why I think that way, but he doesn't. He doesn't seem like it. I, I think. Like when he was in New York, it seemed like the media got to him. Now you know when he was with the Cubs, it seemed like everything was sunshine and rainbows till it wasn't, and then the media turned on him because the Giants are, or sorry, not the Giants, the Cubs are a giant franchise in the MLB. I I just, I think the Giants works for him. Giants were pretty damn good at limiting home runs. It's a hitter-friendly, or sorry, it's a, uh, it's, uh, okay. You're not going to give up a ton of home runs at Oracle Park. I still wouldn't call it pitcher-friendly, but the guy doesn't give up fly balls. That's the great thing about him. He's a ground ball pitcher, doesn't give up a lot of home runs. That works well with this Giants team. I want him to go to the Angels because they need pitching. <laughs> that's that's the big thing. They need pitching. Strowman's consistent. Strowman's not some blow-you-away fastball guy. He's a ground ball pitcher, and he does a great job at it. Yeah, he can have some strikeout games, but he's a ground ball pitcher at heart. He does a good job at it. He limits the runs. He can limit the ERA pretty low. Um And he actually has a solid glove on the mound. I know people don't really talk about that when you're talking free agent pitchers, but Stroman does have a good glove on the mound. So I think he'll go to the Giants. I want him to go to the Angels. Jordan Montgomery is a different one, though, because it seems like the market for him is crazy. Obviously, World Series champion, the best pitcher of the postseason for that team. It just doesn't seem like he's going back. This this is their... Okay, I'll give you a Braves example. This is their Freddie Freeman. Help them win this World Series. Wipe off his hands. Leave him out. They're done. Whatever. Leave him in the dust. Jordan Montgomery is amazing. And I I think he'd be reluctant to return to the Yankees. That's the reports I've been seeing is the Yankees. I think he would not want to go back. Maybe because the beard helps him pitch better. That's just a conspiracy of mine. But also because the media is just assholes in New York. And for a starting pitcher, uh, it's not a lot of fun. There's plenty of examples to tell you why. Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon thus far uh, the last couple of years. But plenty of guys just get berated by the media in New York. Don't know if Jordan Montgomery wants to go through that bullshit again because they certainly got after him. Quite a bit. I think he's going to go to the Phillies. I think the Phillies are pissed off about how that playoff performance went. They bring back Nola. They still have Wheeler. There was a significant drop-off after. And I know. Look, they beat the Braves. Ranger Suarez. You couldn't even get a hit off him. I get it. Ranger Suarez should not be your third option in your rotation in the playoffs at all. Not at all. If the Phillies could go out and get Jordan Montgomery, they would be unstoppable. That's that's 3 wins every 5 games, just about. Like those guys are fantastic pitchers. They just have to go out and do it. Cuz I think um I think the Red Sox were a team that was interested. They just simply couldn't fork up the money. Um, the Yankees, of course, interested, but I don't know if Montgomery wants to return there. Um, so I think he'll go to the Phillies. I want him to go to the Braves. This is my one that I want to be biased about. I want Jordan Montgomery bad. I want him bad. Are we going to get him? Probably not. But I certainly want him because I want starting pitching and we're not talking about trade guys, but obviously I want Dylan Cease the most as a Georgia guy, but Jordan Montgomery will. Certainly, certainly do if they would like to go out and get him. So, Alex Anthopoulos, since I know you're a huge fan of the show, go ahead, and just slide some, slide some money, Jordan Montgomery's away. Trust it'll work out. All right, our next guy though, Reese Hoskins. He's a weird one, because like, I, I don't know if people actually want him, and I don't know how MLB teams regard him. I don't regard him all that highly. Last year, tore his ACL, like first game of the season. It was done from there. He was never fast. Speed was never an issue. It still hurts a guy to tear his ACL no matter what position he plays. I would assume, coming off of that injury, he's going to want to play more first base and DH than he did in the past. I think that hurts his value. I think that hurts what teams want him. So, I think he'll go to the Mariners. The Mariners just kind of need to keep adding bats wherever they can. They added Mitch Garver. Uh, it gives them an option at catcher. It gives them an option at DH. But if you get Hoskins, which I think would be a great move, you could put Ty France at DH a little bit more. You could put Hoskins at first base. Hoskins can still play corner outfield. I just don't know how great he's going to be coming off an ACL injury. But I think he would be a huge contributor to the Mariners. He wouldn't cost as much money as some of the other guys, and he could play some DH, he could play some first base, whatever you need. I'd like him to go there. I want him to go to the Cubs. I think he addresses a similar issue to Cody Bellinger, and he doesn't cost nearly as much. Obviously, Reese Hoskins is not as good as Cody Bellinger. Put him on a prove-it deal. See if he does what Bellinger did last year. Or don't. Or don't run that test and you know whatever happens, happens with Bellinger. I just think that Reese Hoskins is pretty similar. Obviously, he's not going to play center field. Throw him out in right, he's serviceable. Throw him out in left, he's serviceable. Put him at first base, he'll play a good first base. Put him at DH, he'll hit some bombs for you. That's how Reese Hoskins operates, and he's not going to cost you $200 million. That's the moral of the story here. Reese Hoskins does not cost $200 million. So you might be safer financially. Then you can go out and get some pitching. Then you can go out and do some other things. I think Reese Hoskins, if the Cubs want to get somebody that covers those holes at first base and in center field, I guess, not center field, just the outfield in general, Hoskins would be the guy to fill that hole in my eyes, because you save money and you can put it elsewhere. So I think he'll go to the Mariners. I want him to go to the Cubs. Jorge Soler. I don't know why. I think he's going to the Blue Jays. I've seen them linked just a little bit. The Blue Jays probably need a DH unless they're going to pick up a first baseman and move Vlad to DH more. I don't know. I like Jorge to the Blue Jays. There's something about it seems right. It seems like they just need power. Like, obviously, Vlad Guerrero Jr. supplies you all the power you probably need. But if he's going to hit, you know, 250 or less, maybe he doesn't. Because you're not getting that power all that often. And Bo not a power guy. You know, you lost Simeon last year or two years ago. Can't remember. Um, If Matt Chapman leaves too, you're really going to be missing some power you need Jorge Soler and he could play some outfield. Uh, people kind of box him in as a DH, he could play some left field. He's got a decent arm on him too. Um I think Jorge Soler would be great for the Blue Jays. Uh so I think he'll go to the Blue Jays, but I want him to go to the D-backs. I think that would be a very enticing move. He could like I said, he can play left field, he can play DH. He would supply this team with a much needed 35 to 40 home run guy. Obviously, Christian Walker had a fantastic season last year. But if you pile that on top, like they didn't have a cemented DH. And me and Colin talked about that a bit, saying that J.D. Martinez might go to the D-backs. I just, man, I like Jorge Soler. And for some reason, now I feel like J.D. Martinez might have just already gone back to them, and I'm just dumb. No, it was Lourdes Gurriel that has gone back to them. Right? Yeah, yeah, Lourdes Gurriel uh, re-signed with the D-backs, so I'm not losing my mind. So, yeah, look, Lourdes Gurriel is going to lock down left field. So Soler doesn't have to play left field, but as a DH, even if he's there every single day, he's going to contribute. He's going to hit 30-plus home runs, and... He's going to help you guys run it back in the playoffs. This d team is not giving up. They've made great moves, bringing back Lourdes Gurriel, the first one. The best move they've made, Eduardo Rodriguez, is a fantastic addition to this rotation. You cannot sleep on that move. If they bring in Soler, they have now added three guys that I think make a huge impact on this team, on the offense and in the pitching. Go out, get some more relievers, do whatever you need. I think there's a very good potential for a great things to happen with the D-backs if they go out and get Solaire. So, think he'll go to the Blue Jays. Want him to go to the D-backs. Got two more guys left. One position player, one pitcher. We'll start with the position player. It's Tim Anderson. So, the White Sox declined his option. Makes him a free agent. He's at a career low in value, for sure. Tim Anderson sucked last year. Does that mean that's going to carry over? No. Is it going to scare some teams from picking him up? I'm sure it will. But there's one team that likes to gamble, and there's one team that really just needs a good free agent signing because they've really missed out on him. And I guess it's my new favorite team, the Giants, I, I think, and I want him to go to the Giants. They need a shortstop. Brandon Crawford, you can't bring back Brandon Crawford. It's enough. I've seen enough. I get it. He's a great glove. Good God, is that man slow, and he certainly cannot hit anymore. Please move on from him. He's a free agent. Don't bring him back unless it's for depth. Please go out and just get Tim Anderson. IKF's off the the market. He got signed by the Blue Jays. Just go get Tim Anderson, please. And thank you. I think it'll help a ton, especially if you get Chapman. Chapman and Tim Anderson into this Giants team would genuinely make them a team to be looked at as a playoff contender. Honestly. Oh, All right. Our pitcher, our final pitcher, has been a hot topic. People don't seem to ever think he's going to leave. Clayton Kershaw. I think... I also don't think he's going to leave. I think he's going to go to the Dodgers. but I really want him to go to the Rangers. Yeah, Obviously, I don't really need to explain why I think he'll go to the Dodgers. He spent his entire career there. He's become one of the best pitchers of this generation with the Dodgers. But he's a Texas boy. Lives there in the off season. He loves Texas. Through and through. The Rangers just make too much sense. Really, they do. It makes too much sense for him to go to the Rangers. And I would love it so much if he went to the Rangers. Uh, Like, imagine Jacob deGrom, Clayton Kershaw, and Max Scherzer on the same team. Especially if they sucked, oh my god, it'd be the best thing ever. If that rotation sucked, it would be awesome. So I, I like Kershaw's chances of going to the Rangers. I just don't know if he'll pull the trigger. I think it's it'll be hard for him to like double-cross the organization of the Dodgers and go somewhere else, especially at this point in his career. You might as well either retire with the Dodgers or... or I guess keep playing with them. <laughs> that's really your only option. So I think he goes back to the Dodgers, but I want him to go to the Rangers because I would love that storyline to, uh to come to fruition. So that's all of them that I've got. Uh, I'm not going to go through anymore. Um, so now let's go across the pond, talk about some premier league soccer, obviously, um, you know, I'm missing out on my expertise uh, that I have when Luke is here, but I kind of know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so let's get into uh, a couple of the big games. Uh, obviously, we have so much soccer going on. I think there's a match literally going on right now as we speak. I think it's Arsenal-West Ham uh, at the moment. Uh, go! Oh, scrolled me all the way down this page. Maybe? No, I think the... Okay, never mind. Maybe that match is over. Whatever. Um, yeah, it's over. Oh, West Ham won two nil over Arsenal. That's crazy. Okay, well, let's uh let's talk about sport uh, Spurs Bournemouth. It's a big matchup. Bournemouth, one of the hottest teams in the league right now, just been soaring, soaring up the table. Uh, I believe they've won their last four, uh, unbeaten in quite a few matches now. Um. Yeah, unbeaten in their last seven matches. Uh, Since that 2-0 win over Newcastle, uh, they beat Sheffield United, they drew Aston Villa, they beat Crystal Palace, they beat Man U, they beat Nottingham Forest, and they beat Fulham. Bournemouth's hot, and Tottenham is very much not. I know we talked about how they started to make the turnaround. Um, You know, they lost to Chelsea, and then that kind of started the downward spiral, they beat Newcastle, they beat Nottingham Forest, they beat Everton, now it's back to losing. They lost this one today against Brighton, and it, I think it's a killer. I really do think it is. Brighton's a good team, for sure. They haven't been the best. They're not a team you want to be losing to right now, for sure. So, Brighton gets a big win, um you know, much needed win. Tottenham gets the loss. Now they have to face Bournemouth. And I really do think that Tottenham or sorry, that Bournemouth has a great chance here. Not many people are talking about the fact that Dominic Salenke, or Selenke, I can't remember how you say it, has thirteen goals this season. That's astounding. Honestly. <laughs> like I when I first saw that I was I was very, very surprised. They're unbeaten in four away matches. They're on the road in this one. They haven't lost in seven like we talked about. And um, the big thing is Tottenham's pretty goddamn good at home. They're the third best team. Um, or Sorry, that's on the road. Never mind. Uh, so at home, maybe they're not quite as good. But they are fourth in goals scored per match. 2.1 goals per match for this team. Uh, as opposed to Bournemouth's 1.5. But with the form that Bournemouth is on right now, I trust them to play well. I don't think they can get a win, but I think they can get a draw. I'm going to go 2-2 draw for Tottenham versus Bournemouth on uh, on New Year's Eve. And then our next match that I'll be talking about is uh, Liverpool versus Newcastle. Obviously, uh, my boys need some help. They have been struggling. This one on New Year's Day at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hopefully these boys don't party because we got to be locked in. We have struggled, struggled these past couple of weeks. I I genuinely cannot explain what the hell is happening right now with Newcastle, but it is not good at all, and uh, I'm not happy for sure. Um, When you look at our last five, we lost to Everton 3-0. We lost to Tottenham 4-1. We get the big win over Fulham 3-0. And then we lose to fucking Luton. We lost to Luton Town 1-0. And then uh, we lost to Nottingham Forest 3-1 the other day. Like These are just brutal, brutal outcomes that you simply should not see from a squad of this caliber. You look at this lineup and you can never assume they would be this bad. Right now, like we're running probably our best lineup that we can run right now, considering Joe Ellington wasn't in the lineup, and you know he just genuinely needed a break. And then, of course, Sandro Tonali is suspended. This is literally the best thing we can throw out there right now. Sven Botman's back. We have no necessary reasons to be mad at the defense, but they're still not playing well. Dubrovka's still not good in goal. <clears throat> Sven Botman doesn't look that good since he's returned. Trippier's played well but not quite as good as I need him to be. I need him to be creating chances and he simply is not creating them as much as he needs to be. He does it all the time. He created two chances in this game. He needs to be the guy that this offense runs through and I think the issue to me and I know Lewis Miley has done some good things and I know Miguel Almorán has had his moments and he had a good game against Nottingham Forest. It just doesn't seem like Trippier works on the same side as those other two. And I'm not trying to move Trippier, that's for sure. I just think we need to think tactically about what these guys are doing and who needs to be doing it. Because I think that with Trippier being a guy that gets the ball at his feet quite a lot for a right back, having Lewis Miley as his first passing option up the field isn't quite working. Because Lewis Miley simply just doesn't have the experience. The guy is 17 years old. I can't expect him to have the experience. I can't expect him to do everything right. But Trippier needs somebody that's more reliable right in front of him. Even if that means putting Longstaff in front of him, it doesn't matter to me. I just need something more reliable for Kieran Trippier to use to get the ball forward. Also, Anthony Gordon has been bad. I. It sucks but he's not been great. Um, I simply need him to play better. And it does suck. Unfortunately, against Nottingham Forest, Chris Wood scored a fucking hat trick. I can't explain how. Obviously the defense is to blame. Um, I will say Alexander Isaac, fantastic. Getting a goal. He's played really well. I can't be mad at him. There's just a couple of things I need to see better from Newcastle. And, um, I hope it could come against Liverpool. I just man, it's tough. I I can't I don't see that happening. It's the first team in the table. I think I'm going to have to give Liverpool the advantage here. salah has been fantastic. These two teams have kept the same amount of clean sheets, tied for the most in the league with 7. But we both score goals. I think we both score goals in this match, but Liverpool ultimately takes it 2-1. Unfortunately, I have to pick against Newcastle here. Simply because of form. Look, I I, I want to be right here, I, I, honestly. So I'm gonna go with Liverpool there, and then the final match we'll talk about is uh, West Ham versus Brighton. This caps off these. This is long run of a lot of matches in a very small amount of time for these Premier League teams, and I think this is a fantastic matchup, West Ham has been moving right back up the table since they kind of fell off for a little bit. They're up into sixth place now with 33 points. Brighton, obviously coming off of the big win. um, Oh, excuse me. Coming off of uh, a big win against Spurs today, but genuinely just playing pretty good soccer right now. Uh, In their last five, they've picked up, um, they've picked up eight points and I think they're just kind of looking to do more. Um, you know they've had a couple of disappointing outcomes, you know, a 1-1 draw against Burnley, a 2-0 loss to Arsenal, 1-1 draw against Crystal Palace, but now you get a big win over Tottenham, you score four goals, which has certainly got to help your confidence. And you just kind of hope to keep moving. West Ham on the other hand, they've been playing well too. Uh, you know, it was tough to lose 5-0 to Fulham, for sure, but you have the win over Tottenham right before that loss, and then after you bounce back 3-0 against Wolves, 2-0 against Man United, 2-0 against Arsenal now, and all of a sudden you're sitting pretty in 5th place and you've got a chance of moving up. I think West Ham have to win this game in my eyes. Um, And kind of the same goes for Brighton. These two teams are both in a position. Because if Brighton wins this match, they will jump Manchester United and West Ham and jump into sixth place. West Ham wins this match. They'll be tied on points with Tottenham, likely behind them on goal differential. It's a big one. Obviously Tottenham plays another match, so Tottenham could, you know, move forward as well. Still, it's uh it's gonna be interesting. I I can't really decide whose lineup I like better at the moment. I I think I like the idea. Of Brighton's lineup better, if that makes any sense in the goal scoring ability. Like, they scored two pens in this game against Tottenham, which is crazy. But, uh, and both of them coming from uh, Yao Pedro, who also assisted a goal in this game. Uh, you got an assist from James Milner. <laughs> you have a goal from Jack Hinshelwood, the 18 year old right back in this game. That's surprising. Sorry. I'm not used to having to talk this much without drinking water. Ugh. Oh, man. But back to what I was saying before my <clears> throat> my throat dried up on me. You had a goal from them, and then you had a goal from Purvis Estupignon, uh off the bench. Look, Brighton, Brighton could win this game 100%. West Ham... Could obviously win this game. I just like the explosiveness and the variety that Brighton can throw out there on the field. Like in this game, they throw out a four-one-two-one-two. They keep it pretty narrow with um, Pascal Gross and um, James Milner playing right and left center mid, and then you keep you know a central cam and a central defensive midfielder. I like that a lot uh, with the two strikers up front with Welbeck and Yao Pedro, but then you could. Also run a 4-3-3 with this lineup and put Ansu Fati out on the wing. And there's a whole lot of stuff you could do with this lineup, and they've done it a lot. Um, so I'm I'm interested. I, I really like what DeZerby's done. And, um, yeah, I, I think they'll pull off the win this week uh, against West Ham, a much-needed win for Brighton. And I think it's going to be 2-1. Um, actually, no. Yeah, 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 2-1, 2-1. We'll go 2-1. Brighton over West Ham, uh, and that does it for uh, my predictions. But a lot of matches to be played still. So Saturday, pretty full lineup. we got Luton versus Chelsea. <clears throat> Aston Villa versus Burnley, Crystal Palace, Brentford, Man City, Sheffield United, Wolves, Everton, Nottingham Forest, Man United. Huge games there. And then Sunday, Fulham Arsenal, Spurs, Bournemouth, Liverpool, Newcastle, West Ham Brighton. Uh, That goes uh, Sunday through Tuesday, and then um, it gets into the next week, and we'll talk about those matches with Luke next week. So, Nathan didn't submit any questions, but with Luke being sick, I I requested one thing of him since he wasn't going to be on the episode, and it was to send me some questions. So, I've got my phone here. He texted him to me mid episode, and um, we're going to go through his questions now. So, it is officially questions time let's see so our first question from the sickly luke Morozic. gatorade or powerade well i think i know his opinion on this and that's just from recording with him so many times um i think last week he had a powerade on the episode you guys can go fact check me um i'm pretty sure he had a powerade one of the last two recordings we've done but the issue is in his text he spelled it incorrectly <laughs> he spelled powerade p o w e r a d e now look me i'm i'm a it kind of sucks i'm kind of a name brand guy and there's just, there, there's one thing to me that gets gatorade the advantage to me over Powerade, and it's cucumber lime. It's cucumber lime. Cucumber lime gives Gatorade the advantage over Powerade to me. Pepino limon, it's the best flavor out there, and it's not like I could drink it every time. It's not an orange. It's not lemon lime. It's not cool blue. I can't. That it can't be a casual one. It's a guilty pleasure, Gatorade. It really is. You find it at you know, your local gas station. A lot of times, for some reason, the label's in Spanish. That's why I called it Pepino Limon. But there's just something different about that. And I think that gives Gatorade the edge to me over Powerade. I don't know. It's tough. I'm going to go Gatorade, though. And it's it's strongly based on Cucumber Lime Gatorade. Uh, so the next question... Best Super Bowl you've ever seen. Well, if I wasn't a Falcons fan, there'd be an obvious answer because it was one hell of a comeback. Hmm. It's tough, man. Real tough. I'm trying to think. I gotta like refresh my memory on Super Bowls. Obviously, I've watched all the recent ones. Um let's, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Rams Bengals was not a bad one at all. It's actually really good. I think i I might have to go Philly over New England Super Bowl Fifty Two because I kind of got my get back through the Eagles that year. Um, obviously twenty eight to three occurred the year prior. You know, you see Brady go down. The crazy Nick Foles story, the Philly special, the parade, the the just chaos in the streets of Philadelphia. I think everything surrounding that kind of enhanced it. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go Super Bowl 52. It is the best Super Bowl I've ever seen. Uh, next question. How good will the Dodgers be next season? Well, Luke, been getting a lot of questions about that. Um you know, A lot of people just being like, well, what's the point? Like The Dodgers are going to win the World Series. Teams do this all the time. They just go out and pick up players. Uh, obviously, this is like a, you know, a generational talent, possibly one of the best baseball players we've ever seen skill-wise uh, in Shohei Otani. And then you go out and you get one of the most promising international prospects ever in Yoshinobu Yamamoto. And you pick up Tyler Glasnow. There's probably a couple other guys they're going to pick up. And look... They're going to be a great regular season team. Undoubtedly, they always are. They're going to win 100-plus games, probably like 110, if I had to guess. Playoff baseball is one of the world's mysteries, honestly. Something happens to teams in the playoffs in the MLB, unlike anything else. I couldn't ever explain it, but something occurs. I don't know what it is. The Dodgers aren't going to a World Series. Not this year. It just does not seem right. You know? I I think the MLB gods, if they're real, are just. And the Dodgers are going to get penalized by those gods for spending so much damn money. I hope. (laughs) Could they win a World Series? Definitely. They have the players to do it. They have the pitching to do it. They have everything. But, There's always a team that shows up, and they're going to come out, and they're going to be hungrier than you are every single year. Uh, I can guarantee that. So it's going to take some very hard work from this Dodgers team to actually go and just, like, win a World Series. So I think, obviously, they're a playoff team. They're going to win their division. I I think they – I don't think they're going to win the World Series, though. Next question. What are your thoughts on the Super League? Okay, well, if you actually like the idea of the Super League (laughs) – you're not a soccer fan. It's great. Like, the entire time I've been a soccer fan, it seems like every year, two years, we have this soccer league conversation, or sorry, the Super League conversation, Um, and it just doesn't make sense to me. If you're wondering what the Super League is, it's this idea that is constantly proposed where all of the best teams in primarily Europe um really just europe uh you know your your manchester citys your manchester uniteds your real madrids barcelona bayern munich psg juventus you know those kind of teams the high profile big money teams break off from their domestic leagues and create a super league i hate the idea because who's to say man city can't just lose a match to luton town Like, there's so many... Shit, Manchester United spend so much money, they have a negative five goal differential this season. Why? Like, do you think that they want to play Barcelona fucking two times a year? Do you think they want to play Real Madrid the other two times? And Atletico Madrid? And Man City, who they already play two times a year? But then you also have to deal with PSG the next week? Like, no. Nobody wants to see that. People want to see their teams win. I think if they did a Super League, there's a good chance that there's teams that end up having a no-win season. And you never have the chance of an unbeaten season because there's always going to be a team just as good as you, if not better. I hate the idea. I think it, it ruins the idea of the Champions League as well. Like, UEFA entirely shoots this idea down every time. So it ruins the Champions League, which is a spectacle in its own right. Um, and, and I think it just ruins the idea of competitiveness. It, it ruins the idea of domestic tournaments, of course, domestic leagues, everything. It it, it throws everything for a loop, and I, I think it sucks. I, I genuinely hate the idea of the Super League and hope it never comes to fruition. All right. Uh, any big January transfer window predictions? I, I think Jaden Sancho's on the move. That's... <laughs> I don't know if that's that big of a prediction. He hasn't really been with the team at all for Manchester United, but I think he's certainly on the move. Probably not for a lot of money. Um, I think PSG's already kind of shot that idea down. But I think Jaden Sancho... I think more of a, a hotter take is that Sancho Sancho's going to go to a team that's not good. Like, not like a powerful, very good team. If he stays in England, it's not going to be like a top-six kind of team. Um... If he goes elsewhere, it's not going to be a top team out there either. Um, I'm trying to think. I'd love to say that uh, Victor Ossieman is going to Chelsea in the winter. I just don't know. I think Napoli will be selling some guys, though. I think Napoli's going to lose a little bit of firepower over the winter. We talked about that, I think, in our uh, Champions League preview for the knockout stages, that I thought Napoli could lose some guys in the winter, and I think that's definitely the case. So that's another thing to look out for would be uh, Napoli losing a couple of players to the winter transfer window. It's kind of my biggest predictions. I haven't really looked too much into the news and uh, any comments on the Russell Wilson situation. Well, I already kind of went over that. I thought it was, it's ridiculous. Um, So yeah, you can, if you missed that part somehow, that multiple minute rant, um, just go back. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going over the Russell Wilson stuff again. So, with that being said, Luke, thank you for your questions. Hope you feel better if you're listening right now. And to everybody else, you know exactly what I told you to do at the beginning of this episode. Why haven't you done it yet? Okay, well, I'll give you a refresher. You have to like, subscribe, comment, turn on notifications on YouTube. Then, go to the podcast platforms. Rate five stars. Follow us. Leave a written review. All of them. Then go to each of our social media pages, follow us, like it. And I forgot in the intro to join the subreddit. Duh. Need you guys submitting those questions for questions time. So with that being said, thank you. This was a fantastic solo episode. Had a whole lot of fun. My throat is so dry from talking for two hours straight. And um, see you guys next week, hopefully with two people. Enjoy your New Year's. We'll see you in 2024. Peace.